Welcome to the Matrix Minute, a podcast where we discuss the first film one minute at a time because we just love this movie. Hi, I'm Phil, and my trivia today is uh, the principal actors trained for four months to do the fight scenes in the film. It's a very vanilla um, trivia, but you know, you gotta make do with what you have. So guys, I'm Jake, and I finally have trivia again. Wow. Do you? So did you guys know that in the first, wait for it, 45 minutes of the film, we're at minute 45... Neo has 80 lines, 44 of which are questions. <laughs> That's an average of about one question per minute <laughs> from our friend Neo. That is it's amazing. Perfect. That yep. really describes, yeah, Neo. Yeah, uh, and uh, that means I'm Tim, and that means uh, Jake has trivia. That means I don't have to have trivia. Yay. Perfect. Well I done. For you, buddy. Well done for being yeah, lazy. You, and with us is a new guest. We had Gary <laughs> last week, and this week we have... I have to say this, great Scott Corelli, who did um, all three Back to the Future minutes, like way back, when was that, like 2015, right? That's when you guys started. Yeah, we started in 2015. Craziness. Wow. And who's currently doing the Spider-Man minute and has done some films and done some writing for audio dramas as well. It's mm-hmm. really great to have him over here, especially since we uh, were, in, at least I was, in two of his shows beforehand. Oh, and I just forgot, there's also the, the Cornetto minute oh, yes. as well. Wow, dude, you're doing everything, and welcome, sir. <laughs> Thank you. Thank welcome. You. We're glad to have you on the show. <laughs> to talk about yeah. The Matrix. So, indeed, so, indeed. So did you say you, you, you're doing the Cornetto trilogy? Yeah, yeah, that's what, um, we're starting that in October. Uh, my, myself and my Back to the Future Minute uh, awesome. co-host, Nick Jimenez. It's going to be good. I got a question. Mm-hmm. What, what did you think of Baby Driver? Oh, here we go. Oh, no. No, <laughs> no I'm cute. Did, did, did you see it? Yeah, yeah, of course I saw it. I saw it, okay. uh, I saw it six times, so. Oh, okay, you. yeah, okay. yeah. I'm not going to bring awesome. this up then. No, no. <laughs> awesome. But just as a disclaimer, me and Jake really like the movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. No, we finally I, I, got to see it in September. Yeah, yeah no, I have, I, have, I have such a problem with it for some reason. I'm a huge <laughs> fan of Edgar Wright, and I did not enjoy that movie for some reason. I could not, I could not get understand. into it. Hmm. I don't understand. Strangers. I'm just looking. I'm looking for some, some people who are, you know, maybe in the same way. <laughs> so well, unfortunately, no, no, I'm not mad uh, or crazy. Yeah. yeah, it's a three to one yeah, thing here. One. And anyway, so we have um, a new minute going on in this 45. And um, on minute 45, I guess we can get straight to it then. Absolutely. And this is what happens. Morpheus feels he owes Neo an apology. Once the mind reaches a certain age, they don't free it. But he felt that he had to break that rule because he believes in Neo. After a pause, Morpheus recounts the prophecy of the one who freed the first of them, we end, as Morpheus declares, as long as the Matrix exists, the human race will never be free. So and Morpheus is back, and he's, he's back. back with, I think it's exposition? I think that's right. <laughs> it's yeah. more yeah, exposition. Well, that's first right. an apology, then some ex- exposition. That is true. That is true. That's why I wanted to say, like, um, this scene, uh, it's an interesting point where we kind of take a little break from all the craziness that was going on, especially that big shock at the end where it's like, oh, I don't believe yeah. it, I don't know. Uh, and uh, <laughs> he was dense. just... His, his little, little dance. dance. And uh, Neo is just over the... I would say over the moon is uh, is uh, not the right thing, <laughs> description. That would be like a That would be totally opposite. But in a bad way. Like the, the <laughs> negative version. <laughs> he's, he's like he's over, over the, the sun. sun. Yeah. All right, that's oh, good. He's over the sun. <laughs> no, he's over the dark side of the moon. Ah, oh, there, oh, there we go. The under side. the moon? Under, under, there under go. the moon. That's, I like that's that better. The See? There we go. People so much better than us. Yeah. It's just general truth, Tim. 
Um, <laughs> That's the so yeah, but yeah, and then this sort of like eases us back into like, whoo, like what's well, actually an interesting because the aftershock. It is of sort thing. of like you know, um, yeah, when you have any sort of like serious or dramatic thing happen in general. It's like, oh, like you're, you know, shocked or whatever. It's like there's always that period afterwards where you kind of have to, I suppose, like, um, yeah, like where you have to um, take a breather. Yeah. And I think that's a good thing as well for pacing, especially in this film, like this sort of thing. I think they did it very well and they kind of eased into this sort of thing quite expertly, in my opinion. And also, yeah, like you said, like it's more human. Like we have Morpheus actually talking about how he, he owes him an apology. He's like, and you, you see a little bit of his personal side you know because this whole time he was kind of just good point yeah you know doing exposition after exposition and teaching and telling us the audience about things but and also he had of, a definitely a different kind of approach in the way he talked this is much more personal and human mm-hmm. even though he kind of changed his approach to things once neo went into the real world he was a little bit more touchy-feely and Neo. But, you when, know, when it was touchy feely. No, but you know, he's like, your eyes hurt. Even though that's oh, okay, very sort okay. of like, but he's like, you know, he doesn't have the glasses so you can see his actual eyes. So, you know. Oh, that's true, yeah. It's, it's, it's a bit more human uh, mm-hmm. emotion in there. But, mm-hmm. yeah. He's sort of, um, he's, it's almost like he's apologizing for all the exposition that we've gotten this whole <laughs> that's movie right. from but, him. Definitely. Because he's, he's literally, you know, he's saying, you know, we don't usually wait this long to pull somebody out of the matrix because it's a lot for them to handle and i'm like yeah, yeah yeah there's been a lot of exposition that's true <laughs> that's right this has been a lot for all of us to handle <laughs> he's apologizing <laughs> to really the audience point. perfect yeah yeah but it that bears true with like what neo is and he is like an avatar to like i keep saying like all the time like he is our point of view and yeah, uh, yeah. what morpheus is saying to neo he's also kind of an extent saying to us the audience as well yeah but, i guess for me like go ahead no, oh, sorry. Uh, no, but but then again, he starts again with world building in exposition once again after the apology. <laughs> he, can't he stop himself, to, right? <laughs> it's going a with clean the slate the, to start the, something new. Exp- you know, uh, explaining. Yeah, go, go ahead, Jake. I wanted to say something, but now I forgot. I'm so sorry, Jacob. No, no, it's okay. It's all good. Keep you guys talk, and I'll remember. <laughs> but well, the other thing too, I and I, I think you guys have brought this up just a couple of times, um, but not not a whole lot because you tend to kind of focus on um th- i mean the movie itself but what what i will say is i i think that this the pacing the way that you were talking about the pacing and and watching it now watching this movie now um rewatching it when you guys were starting the podcast and then watching these minutes again mm-hmm. even like just like out of uh, sequence with the rest of the movie i you know i'm i'm watching this and i and i'm just sort of struck by how well the wachowskis were able to recreate the feeling that you get when you're watching anime in a live action context, because this just feels like you could animate this and this would just feel like an anime. Like dude. Yeah. Yeah. And it's kind of mind blowing how they were able to recreate that same feeling because that's a thing that anime does a lot. Anime films and whatnot is that you have action scenes and then you have character scenes and you have exposition scenes. Oh, yeah. And they all are kind of very segregated mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. in the way that they're structured. And The Matrix does the same thing, uh, especially this first one. And just this scene of these two guys talking 
I, I'm just kind of like blown away by how much this feels like watching an anime, yeah, even yeah. though it's live action. Yeah, and and the way it's framed as well kind of um, mm-hmm. gives you like it really like I talked about how they um, were of a comic book background mm-hmm. and um, the way they're used to seeing these kinds of shots and anime as well. Um, there's a lot of unconventional kind of um, like you know. Well, I think it, angles. It and, also goes um, to show like. How much, uh, if you love something or something influences you, you take great care to translate that or how that affects you. It ends up, um, you can tell that they obviously are not just like, going, oh, this is cool. They're actually, this is ingrained in their sort of Absolutely. In their process. DNA. In yeah. Their process yeah, yeah, because yeah. They, they've sort of soaked up these, you know, different mediums or... or um, like mm-hmm. um, like what I love about in this minute in particular is that there's this close-up of Neo. He's like lying in bed. And uh, the shot is essentially a smartphone selfie composition, but sideways. You know what no, I mean? Yeah. You just see Neo's entire like profile from the chest up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But he's mm-hmm. lying in bed and it's horizontal and it's working so well with the aspect ratio as well. Mm, it's yeah. wonderful. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Stuff like that. That's really cool. Yeah. Those, um, the, the lighting on Morpheus too. The, just that really yeah. like deep black on the, what is that? The right side of his face. Yeah. And yeah. then the left side is, is really well lit. I mean, just Bill Pope working an overdrive. Oh man. Bill Pope. Um, yeah. We can talk about so Bill good. Pope if you want to, because I saved this for Please. quite some time and I think there's no better time. And, Let's do it now. And no better guest to talk about it than uh, with yes. Scott, because <laughs> we both really love Bill Pope. <laughs> Oh Bill yeah, Pope's no. Amazing. I mean, he's he's our greatest working uh, director of photography. I I, I I love Bill Pope's work, and I have to just say, like, um, this is as a standard for movies by minutes thing. We want you know the idea of just adding a little bit of uh, background bio. To, Absolutely, to come things. on, Bill Pope. We have to give his bio. Yeah. Oh, so, Spider Man. I see. <laughs> I well, like, yeah, not just. Him. Like what's going on? What, what and did and do? the world's end eventually. And the, oh, yeah, there and you the go. World's end as well. Oh, he did um, Scott yeah. Pilgrim as well. Oh man, that was a good shot. Yeah, that there was, you go. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, <laughs> Bill Pope. He was born in June nineteenth, nineteen fifty-two. So he's one year older than our dad. Oh wow, which is interesting. Oh, he shot the Metallica um, one video. That's pretty cool. Yeah, man. He started off doing like lots of like camera operating in the nineteen seventies, but um, but like like for he did one episode of Three's Company. No way. As a camera operator back then. Wow. But then later in the early 80s, he did like a ton of music videos. And, oh, okay. See, Army of Darkness. That's interesting because I've with... noticed that like Sammy, directors okay. tend to also sometimes start out with music videos, but I guess also cinematographers also start out doing music videos, yeah, they I guess. Do, yeah, I music that. videos mm-hmm. are a pretty good test bed, yeah, I think, right. like to get into. Baby Not anymore, but they used <laughs> to be. Or they used okay. to be, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm still thinking of in the 90s. What is my problem? We were talking about... Um, video editors just mm-hmm. uh just like half an hour ago before you came on and i was still thinking about 2001's adobe premiere and i'm Amazing like it's terrible clip. i don't want to try it and we're like no it's 2017 no. <laughs> it's much better so much better than it used to be back in the day back in the day so it was yeah horrible yeah i know i know so yeah Continue. He, yeah he did so i think the first movie he did was dark man correct me if i'm wrong scott because you might know um, I have this thing. Uh, yeah, I think. Up. It, I mean, it was. It would have either been Dark Man or Clueless. Um, and here, then, let me check. yeah, I Clueless. Got it, yeah. <laughs> That's right. And then eventually, you know, Army of Darkness, and then the Sam Raimi connection with Dark Man as well. And Army of Darkness. Yeah. No way. Yeah, yeah, man. Yeah. I remember That's when I was, I was watching saying. them. Yeah, when I was watching the film, like when I was watching the credits, like because I haven't. That's I've, my favorite Evil Dead film. Yeah. <laughs> I like Evil Dead too, though. But um, you know, to each his uh, own. Yeah. Scott, what do you think? Evil Dead. I, I, I'm I'm an Evil Dead too okay. person. Um, but but I do find that I watch e- the first Evil Dead more than the other two, wow. just because I like 
the story of them making it, I guess. Yeah. I don't know. What's the, the, what's there's something the, charming about it. What's the, it the, like, what's the difference between those two? Like, is there, because the I remember one? it was basically what? the same movie, wasn't it? Well, one it is, but, but the first one is kind of like um, them trying to do a super serious, like, I know, yeah. Which crazy which, horror movie? No, no. There's actually there's a moment um, at the end of Evil Dead where the where the um, the deadite energy or whatever you want to call that is rushing through the house and hits, uh, which runs right into yes. Bruce Campbell. Yeah. Um, right. That's how the first movie ends. There's a moment in the second movie about 15 minutes in where they recreate that shot, and then when it hits ash that's actually where part two begins right so the uh, previous everything level. before oh. that is them remaking the first movie because they didn't have the rights to the first movie to show oh, clips yes, from the right. first movie <laughs> okay that's so they hilarious. had to remake it to be like this is what happened before and now we're gonna make our sequel but realistically <laughs> it is just a remake though right well yeah the first the first 15 minutes first 15 okay. minutes 15, okay all right yeah, mm, okay. yeah, because because he comes into the with the other people who are similar to them, but they're not okay. Which which one he does he lose right. the arm and gets a chainsaw? And that's one, two. two. That's, that's in two. the second one. Okay, yeah, the first one is pretty straightforward. Well, it's he also very... loses his arm in the third one and gets a. What does he get in the third one? No, no, in the third one he already has his <laughs> uh, already chainsaw. Has right. Chainsaw that's right. his boomstick. Boom yeah, yeah, and so Bill Pope. Let's go back to that. Um, he then did Bound for the Wachowskis, and then, you know, then we went to The Matrix. And after that, he's been doing all kinds of great stuff. He's been doing, you know, The did Matrix sequels. Did he do uh, Speed and, Racer? Uh, I don't think so. Oh, he did Team America World Police. Uh, that yeah, must yeah. Have been and, cha- uh, um, fun challenge. And I think, I think to, in my opinion, Bill Pope's finest work is still The Matrix. I have to say, I just love uh, how the the lighting looks like and how contrasty it is and you know his mm-hmm. uh, his use of key lights you know it's being a dominant aspect in um in his composition and um also using shadows a lot especially in this first movie uh, in the matrix in the in the second and third ones his uh style is a little bit more um more bright it's mm-hmm. not as it's not say. as um it's not as uh, rusty or contrasting. Well, it's because in the first film, he does strike a good balance between sort of like a, a, a natural sort of vibe, but he's, it's still stylistic. Yeah, it's, yeah. Very it's not overly stylistic. Film quality, but over stylistic film quality. Then mm-hmm. the the second one starts to get really sort of, uh, you know, like like computer generate kind of look to it. You know, yeah, there's, it, it missing that some of that. I think, I think the second and third are sort of, I don't know, I would probably like describe them a little more flatter, I think, sort of. Yeah, that's what yeah. it feels yeah. like. Were they shot on digital? Is that no, why? no, 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 they weren't. No. I think it was just, oh. it's just some kind of a decision that they made. Well, I also think that, if I'm not mistaken, but I don't I think know that what it could digital be. degrading, I think, was already picking up sort of speed, and I think pe- people were using it more, maybe. Maybe. And I think, you know, it was obviously mm. a fad in a way. Yeah. And it still is. Because The Matrix was one of the first movies to implement digital grading, okay. and I think that they were pretty minimal when it came I to bet. that. I bet. And yeah. um, later on, when people got used to, you know, doing all that crazy stuff yeah, with the, the sliders just and, and the sliders and layers and everything. And you always have different. that, you know, it's like, oh, you know, they, they started it and then everyone picked it up and then they're coming back. Well, we've got to show off, you know, like we're the original right, ones. Right. We got to make it three times more graded. Yeah. But ironically, the second two matrix are less green than this one. Are they? Especially really? in this print. I don't know. This print they feel is more green to me in my memory. No, I think it's less green. Hmm. 
But I, but I know that this, <laughs> what, this what a film, wonderful argument. But didn't they, didn't they regrade this movie? Didn't they, they did. That's what I was going to talk about. Yeah. Yeah. In, um, I well, think we, our episode said. 13, I think we were talking about that. We were talking about the differences between the digital grade because the video release from, this is a recap for everybody who forgot what we talked about way back. This, uh, video release, uh, is supposed to be way more accurate to uh, the theatrical which, which video release. Because there was the original the VHS. DVD. The, DVD, the, the VHS and DVD. With the blue poster. Yeah, from, yeah, that's the 2000 release. And that was... That in, one had flat urine-looking green. And also, like, <laughs> oh, wasn't yeah, everything, like, the, wasn't yeah. everything yeah. very bright? It was like the brightness was... And yeah, the bright, it was really flat, too. Yeah. It wasn't as dynamic as the one that we're watching now. And then I went to do some more research, and I found some people in a message board called uh, OriginalTrilogy.com, which uh, talk about the preservations for the original Star Wars movies. Mm-hmm. And um, someone had a film print of uh, the original Matrix, and they scanned some of the um, negatives, uh, some, of the, the some of the yeah, some prints. of the frames, and it looks very similar to the one that we're watching okay. on the Blu-ray and on the HD DVD that came out in two thousand eight. Well, the one that they mastered in two thousand four. So then, so yeah, obviously, or not obviously, but supposedly, um, it would lead us to believe that it was a bad transfer. Yeah, like the they, 2001 they, they messed was. with it in some. So sense. the the video release that the home video release in 2000 was the one that sold the most, and that people mostly remember who still mm. you know remember that time. And um, I thought that was a more accurate uh, process than the new one that we got in 2004. But it seems to be the opposite. Okay, because mm. mm. I like this version better. Bit curious in it. Yeah. One more thing about Bill Pope, and I think that he he really did a good job with uh, Spider Man Two. Even though I like the lighting in Spider Man One, but he made Spider Man Two feel a lot more uh, visceral. Mm -hmm. It feels more cinematic. Yeah, yeah, I would say that too. I think Bill Pope is sort of the um, like the sort of perfect amalgamation of like Dean Cundey and Roger Deakins. If you like combine those two guys, okay, so it's like it's like that middle. Yeah. Between those two. Right. Hmm. Right. What do you think, Tim? That's actually, Nobody really touched agree. my Deacon's down. I'm just joking. No, I, I, <laughs> it's, it's funny that um, I'm looking at the cinematography, and I think what's wonderful is that uh, it looks like he's really good at capturing whatever the idea is and then sort of translating mm-hmm. no matter what his personal style is. Because I'm looking at it, and I don't actually see a personal style. And uh, Phil, we were looking at the sort of storyboards and the art, you know, the... How, how it should look and it's really capturing the sort of vibe of whatever the Wachowski we're kind of putting through so that's yeah. really good that he's managed to whatever was on that crappy drawing we saw was put into this picture <laughs> and it's, it, it looks yeah. great and then there's like I don't know like if it compared to Clueless or something like that I wouldn't I had no idea that's the same person you know mm. Yeah, yeah, I will I say, if you watch Clueless, if you rewatch it now, knowing that he was the DP of it, it's weird how beautiful that movie is. Like it has <laughs> oh, started really? to be as good looking as it is. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> oh yeah. boy! So, yeah. can we bring it back a little bit to the? Let's to go the, back to yeah. I wanna mm-hmm. I wanna point out a few things that I didn't Please. notice before. I just, I didn't really care about. Honestly, the first thing is. You know, something we talked about, but before I remember, you know, we were kids because of the Animatrix. But he mentions that, you know, that it's been a bit too late that he unplugged them. Usually right. we unplug them younger. How young? Yeah, yeah <laughs> that's what I was going to ask. Like, yeah, what, what, what do you think mean? happens to a mind because after a certain age or what is a certain age? I mean, 
Like I have a theory. Okay, go. Okay, so my theory is that, um, I think <laughs> the Brontosaurus in general, in, in in general, I think that um, the idea is that as you grow older, you have more experiences and your beliefs sort of solidify, and you have a harder time changing your beliefs. And I think that's in general true. And I think that the whole point of freeing someone earlier is that you are essentially more open to challenging or changing your beliefs, especially when it comes to something so extreme like the world isn't actually the real world. You're in a mm-hmm. computer program. Yeah. So I think that they found out through trial and error, freeing people from the matrix, I guess, that uh, some people, if they're older, they have trouble actually believing and coming to terms with right. those new truths. Well, especially, I mean, consider, like, what if they have a wife or children mm, in the yeah. Matrix? Yeah. And then they're pulled out and be, they're like, uh, yeah, yeah, those weren't, they weren't real. Factors, so, yeah. yeah, your relationship wasn't real. Nothing about that was real. Don't worry about it. I mean, you're going to yeah. worry about yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> you, had, you had a wife and kids in there. Like, Absolutely. come on. Um, right. So, so I think they're just, I, I think Neo is, you know, right on the, the edge there where yeah. – he right. is older, and so he may be, you know, slightly more attached to the Matrix than someone in their early 20s may have been. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but he's also not attached to anyone because he never really felt like he fit in. So it's just like kind of a perfect, you know, like it gives him enough of a um, – enough angst that we right. we don't feel like, ah, uh, he's kind of, you know, buying into all of this a little too quickly – um, it gives him a little angst so that we can sort of see ourselves in him and understand that he's struggling with this a little bit, but we'll also understand when he gets over it, you know, in like 20 minutes. So. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, you should get them when they're teenagers, really. Yeah. That's where they're rebelling I would against say everything. So, yeah. All of a sudden, they'll, they won't believe <laughs> yeah. you. It's just it's nothing. It's crap. I don't believe <clears> you. There's someone else. Sure, but they have leather jackets and sunglasses. They're pretty Yeah, cool. you can get the trick. Probably back then, yeah. <laughs> but Scott, would you bring up an interesting point, which I never thought about, because our hero is a very solitary hero. And throughout right. this movie, anyone who's unplugged is basically an innocent bystander and you don't really care about him. But that kind of, you know, what if did he have someone he cared for? You know, he was a loner, but what if there was someone he would want unplugged as well. That would actually make, I would well, want to like a Matrix drama where there it's, you like, go. it's like, I miss mm-hmm. them, but like, you can't unplug them. They're like, well, you know, they're, they're talking about doing this whole like Matrix, uh, you know, kind of shared universe thing. They're wanting right. to like mm-hmm. bring back the universe and make n- more adventures in this universe. And I'm for it because it's stuff like that where you, you think, well, there's no more story to tell. It's like, well, maybe in this sort of like, prophecy hero's journey neo thing but there's plenty of stories to tell inside the matrix like someone yeah. who's you know someone whose husband or wife just disappears and they don't know why and then they find out later it's because they were unplugged from the matrix that's like cool. that's yeah yeah that's a crazy idea for a movie like yeah. i think that'd be really interesting yeah the the animatrix kind of tapped into that a little bit but Some, i think yeah. it was yeah, but it was just like a little too little. It didn't, we need more. It we need more of these stories. Audience, definitely. But I think for people who are fans, that was great. And even the Wachowskis, they embraced it. I mean, they produced it and yeah. they were in charge mm-hmm. of, of releasing all that stuff. But it makes you wonder, why didn't? Why did the Matrix, why is it like a multiplayer kind of place? You, you would wonder, like, wouldn't it be easier for the Matrix if 
everyone else in your world was actually a, a program, robot? and you're you're and you're just like you just have these yeah, multiple I was worlds. About that too. So it's like the Truman Show, yeah, uh, essentially, yeah, like they're, everyone they're programmed. Like yeah. the, maybe they're the same amount of people, and you can like like ch- you know grab mm, some of the information point. how yeah, they're why, living yeah, their why life. Why would they have done the, the interconnected? Minds? Maybe it sells it better. You know the sort of. Uh, yeah, like for the plot, obviously, but I mean, I mean, obviously for the plot, but for the people who live in the Matrix, maybe the unpredictability of other people makes it realer. Yeah. I don't know. Unpredictability. Mm. Well, I think the I, I I think the Matrix is such a large thing to create, like such a large program that you. Can, I mean, to, I don't, the idea of like mm, making it millions yeah. of yeah. them. Yeah, everyone's got their own matrix. Point. Yeah, that's a lot of processing. Yeah. Going well, if on. Neo didn't save everyone in the end, I think that would be the next step. They're like, okay, this we've done so many matrixes. <laughs> what are we doing next? Everyone Single gets their matrices. own world, and you pick and choose your face, like you know, like a create character creator, and you choose the world you live in, and everybody happy, fine, good. Let's go. Move on. But it I doesn't work. Really they quick. reject the system if it's too. I coming back. Go on. Uh, briefly to the. Um, freeing of the people from the matrix i always wondered how do they exactly do they profile individuals or how how do they go about picking or is this sort of like a coincidental sort of we tried this last time but we didn't have any clues we don't have any clues i think it must be profiling they must profile people because that would make the most sense i think right yeah because none of these none of these people that have been pulled out they all seemed like neos they all seem like loners Mm. But here's the funny uh, thing, and they all though. seem to have a proficiency for for you know hacking for and hacking. Well, that's what I thought too. And ever since <laughs> I was a kid, like watching the movie, that made sense to me. Like hackers are more prone to discover the Matrix, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. But then I guess if we obviously we're talking about the first Matrix, but if we take into consideration the second and the third films, that completely changes the picture. Or no, yeah, that's not true because well, they're, they're all they're not homegrown. hackers. Well, uh, you could you would believe. Well, if you look at the second movie, and especially in the beginning when they have like that little meetup of cool people, like under Nebuchadnezzar, yeah. But, but the guys again, in the ships but, are hackers, I would say. No, but mostly. like on a Nebuchadnezzar, you could sort of take everyone for a hacker, right? Yeah, they got that go. But in the second movie, like everyone looks like thugs. Those are not hackers. Those like mobsters. Know. You know I what think I mean? Hackers. Sure. I think sure, you, sure, I think there's hackers. but there's like I don't think specifically everybody that they take out of the matrix is of the nope. Well, most of them are, but there's some people that aren't. For sure. I'm not saying yeah. exclusively hackers. I'm just saying like yeah. they it's like that sort of Well, I think they might I think they might pull people out who they need their um expertise okay. for yeah, there one you thing go. or another like like i imagine they probably found someone who was like a biologist or or you know to be like a doctor or you know found uh uh someone who was uh you know someone who was into Engineers botany or agriculture or right. for yeah. you know growing things in in zion you know so yep. i don't know yeah that yeah. sounds like a that's a it's like a very good point there yeah but definitely yeah. neo um yeah, well, what was this? We, we, I think we tried to talk about this. Where did we stop? Was, we stopped at, uh, yeah, saying that how Neo, obviously, he's in that sort of sweet spot where he's not really, he doesn't have anything keeping him in the Matrix. <laughs> he's a blank slate. <laughs> <laughs> he is. I mean, when I was a kid. But he's obviously okay being freed. Watching mm-hmm. it, uh, it was always obvious that the Oracle knew who it was and told Morpheus. But rewatching this movie, I can realize she doesn't give anyone really clue. I mean, Morpheus did all the work by himself. She just says, you'll, you know, whatever she says. But I always thought like, oh, she pointed out like that one. 
pick that one. He's beautiful. <laughs> pick that one. So I don't pick know. Pick him. He is the one. I don't know. We'll get to the Oracle at some point. Yeah. Well, he starts talking about them in the next episode, so we're going to keep it to that. <laughs> yeah. And then he goes... Well, I will say, yeah. I think, I, I find it odd that there were two movies that came out in 1999, two really big movies that both featured characters who were, quote unquote, too old for training. Um, and I what are you talking about? I think that's really... Star Wars? talking about Phantom was Menace. It? Uh, <laughs> oh! Okay. I was like, okay, I was like no, Yeah, me too. I was, I was thinking, thinking, when was that in Fight Club? Oh, that's, that's the first thing I was thinking. <laughs> yeah, no, no, no. Oh, dude. Exactly. Oh, Phantom yeah, Menace. That's right. The chosen one. It was a, it was a year yeah. of prophecies. That's what it was. Yep. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's right. right. <laughs> there was two... <laughs> well, you know, you know Millennial. Sense. Y2K and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. The well, millennial yeah, you know, is just like the... Yeah, that's the general... We need a savior. Hi, uh, the general thought of uh, yeah. What's one going, can hack and one on can drive culture. really fast. <laughs> yeah. So I wanted to say that all this There's was a lot of probably yeah. Oh no, no midichlorians. <laughs> so all this was probably filmed on like the recording. Well, that's how they find the people. They they track their midichlorians. Exactly. Oh, their matrix midichlorians. While they're sleeping, yeah. the, it's the matrix meter. <laughs> the yeah, well, shaver I think, yeah. goes up. Goes up. <laughs> oh yeah, the little the signals are strong. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Let's get him. So I want to think say he's reaching one signal, one <laughs> levels, like you yeah, know, yeah. the one levels. Exactly. <laughs> okay. So where do we stop? I just wanted to say that I think this whole scene here was uh, filmed with the audio from the set in this case because I was listening to it and it sounded very. It has that. Uh, it has that. Live I always, magic. I always love the set off the audio. Mm-hmm. Uh, I always love the audio off the set. The set off the audio. Yeah, <laughs> it's true. I mean, audio. like sometimes. I mean. If you're attuned to it, you can pick up when something was ADR'd and when something. Well, can I just mm-hmm. just on a mic. say something really quick? Yeah, it's like a public announcement. One of my stories. Um, okay. Okay. <laughs> I love to find out, like on Blu-rays, that when uh, characters are shot, like when it's like a really big wide shot in a film. Oh yes. And this character is like far away. Almost every movie, you can tell they ADR'd. Yeah, the dialogue over that character, so they obviously replace the audio. Different yeah, lines, and it's usually it's either different lines or they're not talking at all. Yeah. So I remember like Groundhog mm-hmm. Day. I remember like Bill Murray in the car, and he's not moving his lips mm-hmm. at all. And he's like, "Oh, this weather." <laughs> yeah. And I just love it. <laughs> mm-hmm. I love seeing that on the Blu-rays because like they were hiding that before, getting away with it because you're not really paying attention. But now, yeah. now we can see in pristine quality. It's my favorite thing to look out for. They do that to add jokes to comedies. Like mm. the studio will be mm. like, "There hasn't been a joke in a minute and a half. We need to add a joke," and then they'll add it. Just in put ADR it as your wide that. shot. He's, he's yeah. far. He's yeah. far enough. Put it on him. They do that yeah. a lot. And like the one, the ones I always notice is in old Adam Sandler movies. Like somebody will like run off camera, and you'll just hear them being like, nah, 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 exactly. like off camera, <laughs> <laughs> saying like another joke, and you're like, it's oh. funny because if you pay attention, yeah, you can actually notice that even in like when you go watch a movie in cinemas you can go like oh my goodness there it is yeah yeah, yeah. it's yeah. amazing and I especially when they do like a reverse or you know shot like when when it keeps cutting and then you can see the chin not moving or yeah the joke yeah, ends yeah. with mm-hmm. them on the other character and it, like if you watch it like over and over and over again like something mm-hmm. moved you can start to see everything that's wrong the reverse trick i noticed is like they they still kind of right i found them. one for dark Knight it's great Rises, and did I you because i remember the injustice oh yeah yeah, yeah. so because it's easy because you have like i will know so much footage, you know. Right. From, you I just cover both sides, and you can just choose, whatever, whatever. I don't know. Whatever. Yeah. So, um, where were we? Yeah, Morpheus uh, 
says these things, and um, then he says, when the Matrix was first built, there was a man born inside who had the ability to change whatever he wanted, to remake the Matrix as he saw fit. It was he who freed the first of us, taught us the truth. Now, this, this is, is another the, um, info dump here, but it's like one of those important things that yeah. he's trying to say. And is I love though? how Lawrence delivers this, though. Yeah, well, I think it is. I think it's. I think this and the sentence that he says later um, is um, the... What's the later sentence? It's sort of like where he says, as long as the Matrix exists, oh, yes. the human race will never be free, you know? And he, and he also... Well, that, that's the yeah. sort of thing that he's saying. And I think that oh, this is sort of like the ultimate... Well, that, I think that's like the pledge in the film where they're saying this is what the whole thing is about, you know? Mm-hmm. That is true. Sorry, I was thinking more of the specific things he was saying. The the story of the the one man. Oh, the story. Well, I wanted to go into that that too. I never kind of caught that one, you know, a long time ago when I watched it. It wasn't very important to me. But it's, it's it, he never really touches us. I mean, in the you know the other movies, sure. But in this movie, I think this is the only time he mentions the sort of I guess lore or whatever, right? Of this right. one man yeah. who freed mm-hmm. everyone and and stuff. That's a like what what are we is in the sort of I guess in the closure of this movie. You know what 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 does that mean? What, what do you think he's well? All right, so there's 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 two two things. One, I want to get into like the actual like the actual mythology of this within the matrix, um, the film, which is that like, I, I assume that this guy, the reason he could control the matrix stuff uh, is, is because he had some sort of, um, I don't know, like some sort of like biological block where he wasn't, even though he was plugged into the matrix, he could be aware of the matrix and uh-huh. manipulate things. And so it was a, it was a DNA thing. Like oh. it was, oh. it was something very specific mm. because here's the thing. There's nothing like fantastical in this movie. At least there's not supposed to be. They, right. they talk about this stuff like it's fantastical yeah. because it's sort of become their mythology, but it's all tech based everything. Yeah, And so I, I think that this guy, whoever this guy was, I think that there was, you know, in their cloning process, they found a flaw in their cloning process. And this guy hmm. exploited that flaw and exploited the matrix as a result. And it all sort of from the, from the, um, from the machine's perspective, it all kind of went downhill from there, which yeah. is never thought of that. Just this guy just started unplugging people like crazy because <laughs> he knew the truth. Well, you know what? Speaking of which, um, I think you're like very close to what they were talking about in Matrix Reloaded and Revolutions. Now, again, disclaimer, I wanted to say that when we talk about these movies, just like last time when we had this whole history of all the, the machine yeah. war, uh, we like to keep it... Um, contained to just this movie so we can make up whatever we want for yeah. the backstory based on the clues we have uh-huh. in the movie itself like the first one mm-hmm. but you again this it's is one of those ignore, yeah you know, one yeah. of those things where you can't ignore the fact that uh, reload and revolutions are about this specifically and it's really important in well, yeah, I in that to say, regard like, can i can yeah, i just really quickly just, go. just just finish what i want to say i just wanted to say that um uh this was uh you're right scott like in the official canon, it's like the architect explains that there's this anomaly of like codes that happen. Here's my question: Isn't that on purpose? I yeah, think that's what that, I was gonna say. That's what did, isn't that like like, instead, like, like instead of biological part of the system. And, or DNA yeah. linked? It's uh, the machines basically endowed him with special powers to right. set off this resistance. 
also because there's like it's like um, the catalyst, you know. It's like yeah, the, yeah. And he has but to. Why? Why would they want that? Because there's a, apparently in the Matrix Reloaded, what the architect says is that there's like all this uh, all this um, leftover code that um, has to be recycled, and it's all put into the one. Um, the like who is the uh, the one who's like the resetter yeah and he has to go in and reload the matrix when he gets back into the architect's um office and then he picks the right door to to reset the whole thing i guess guess to get get all this anomaly code out of the matrix so like it all gathers in a sense but then they just go through the cycle yeah and then that's why they they instead of fixing it they just sort of just do that yeah i mean in in programming there's this thing called trash collector and it's uh, basically Sounds that cool. it's like all the junk, all the variables that are not on set, they kind of yeah. left in the RAM. And there's this one process that goes and cleans that all up. So I guess, I guess that it, you are the trash collector. I guess you just the machines the one. Were, were like yeah. programming and they're like, okay, so we did all these calculations and this system should work. <laughs> but uh, there's this one part of our calculations that's not working. So we have to design a feature onto it. And I guess that will be the one. That's what they did. Yeah. And they turned well, it into religion. Well, does that make him yeah, special weird. as far as like what Scott was saying, as far as DNA, or they just plug him in a special plug? No, they don't. I think it's the DNA now. I think it's, it's the DNA. Like, mm-hmm. They give him like programming. A, like, you know, like user 55, they'd be like, yep, user 55. special abilities. And a, according to thought, the architect, um, he, like the one's life for every one of, well, spoiler, I mean, this is the, the fifth yeah. one, a uh, sixth one, sixth one, it's sixth. the sixth one. And um, all the other ones beforehand had a similar kind of life because they tried to keep it as um, straightforward as they could to keep that um, anomaly in check. So no way. Yeah, we're gonna have to talk about that. It has at some to be point. DNA. It can't just be user fifty-five because right. he can plug in anywhere and That's have true, his yeah. one powers. Yeah, Good he, point. He can, he, so it has to be. But the, has they to be could DNA. like find out like, oh, he left the matrix, switch off his special powers. Because, I but mean, he still they still have that code. They have to reload. Oh, yeah, um, and clear. Yeah. I mean, like the Wachowskis were sort of, you know, inspired by all the sort of religions, mythology. So this could be, mm-hmm. you know, like, oh, you know, we like reincarnation. So we kind of keep that. For in sure. There I was going to say like, like, like there's, mean, there's these. Yeah, there's like the there's the there's the practical aspect we're talking about, which is like the actual like what the facts are with this sort of first person that was freed and had these special powers. But then, of course, there are religious overtones here again with mm-hmm. Morpheus being this sort of like. You know, he's he's like we talked about in earlier episodes, like the symbol of faith, right? He's like the guy who's sort of leaning on on tradition and sort of like what's been passed down, right? And so mm-hmm. then it's sort of confusing. Is it like is it a real thing or is it something that's just like you know mythology or what is it? Welcome you know? to the real world. Yeah, but, so, yeah, but, but, but it's very lovely. Aspects. And I, it's funny. I think I remember I for some reason watching the Matrix. I think I con- connected the the what the person they're talking about here being the architect and he's like the person I don't know weird stuff I don't know for me I just thought it was like a story that like I was gonna ask you guys this (laughs) was the birth of this sort of yeah 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 I was gonna ask you guys like do you think that Morpheus was talking about it as if it was like a long time ago or do you think that it was his lifetime where he's like he freed the first of us because when I was a kid I kind of thought that he might the way he's looking down on the floor and it looks like he's recollecting oh he's remembering well I like like, that because it's mysterious you don't know first of us yeah Mm -hmm. in the sort of aspect of the first movie I thought it was like yeah he's talking because we didn't know about the iterations of the Neo that's not mentioned in the first movie that's supposed to be a shock moment in the the next movie so you know you later see some free people and stuff like that's so always thought it was like 100 years you know ago that man well first and mm-hmm. this is like the continuation of that 
of that thing. I didn't understand that, that he's connected, Neo's connected to that guy, and Neo's supposed to be whatever, you know, the, the prophecy that Morpheus believes in. But yeah, if you if you think about it, like being, well, we're going to get into this later because there's a lot of philosophy into that. But my own personal opinion is that there's, Neo's nothing special, but because, you know, because they think he's the one, he is able to pass that barrier and you know free his mind but he does it doesn't make him special it's just that everyone thinks he's special he's able to go through that you know next level and anyone can ah. actually do it that's that that's what i took oh, from it interesting I, always so no way yeah scott huh. how did you read it oh I, I i don't know i'm just i'm just listening to this. <laughs> i think it's uh i i i think that's interesting um yeah. i i i i definitely like that if we're discounting the two sequels um yeah, yeah. Yeah. I definitely like that interpretation the best of that. He's actually not the one and it's just everyone yes. telling him that he is. And then the necessity of needing to be the one in the moment where he becomes the one. Yeah. Or I, I like that. Or the I last like, interpretation I like, I like could it too. be the spiritual interpretation, which yeah. would be that there's actually supernatural elements in the story. And this prophecy is something that's actually true. Right. Right. And where Neo is actually... Is connected to this, and it's not tech based. After yeah, all. not tech based. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the last way you could look at it. Yeah. Well, the way he's describing uh, the first one, um, you know how he, you know, he he said, I mean, it's it's basically Moses, right? I mean, that's that, that's essentially what they're doing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The which is really interesting, oh, yeah, yeah, considering. Right. I mean, you know, Neo later basically becomes Jesus. So there's definitely some, you know, Christian mythology mm-hmm. yes. going on here as well. <clears throat> oh, for sure. Yeah, for sure. But yeah, and they, you know, they put a build, you know, Buddhist in and all that stuff. You mix mm-hmm. it together, you know, it's a reincarnation. You Jesus mix it kind together, of thing, you know, yeah, it's, it's a, a nice it's a melting pot. It's, yeah, nice sci-fi so it's all salad. the religions pop. Into but it one. works so well. But that's, <laughs> sci-fi but that's, salad. that's what I always love though yeah. about the Matrix films is that there's so many elements. It's not just philosophy; it's also religion, and it's all like. There's so many aspects to the story. You could read it different ways. I know. It's and fun. I always thought that's why. Mm-hmm. Matrix, that's why our episodes Matrix get so long. Yeah, I know. <laughs> yeah, it, it is great because uh, when watching this for the first time, you start, you know, discovering all these elements that are there, and you think they're very part of the story. But later on, you kind of realize their flavors. But us doing this minute by minute right now, I rediscover so many other sort of philosophical thoughts that I had when I was mm-hmm. a kid, thinking about it that I completely forgot, and I was just like, oh, there's no nuances, and it's just like. Ideas from religion, philosophy, and, you know, just used for a little bit of flair. But it's actually throughout this movie, there's, you know, there's actual themes that are going mm-hmm. on. And which is awesome. I'm starting awesome! to like this movie still, again. <laughs> and I still Yay. always wonder, like, I'm sure there's a lot of, you know, uh, themes that we're not even aware of, I think, to be honest. Like, right. undertones or, you know, references that I think that... So yeah. someone else can do a Matrix Minute, but do it with, like, the, a deeper... <laughs> yeah, deeper, more... It's the... Thing. I mean, yeah. Yeah. pure philosophy... But you have to like... No, no, no. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, sorry. Go ahead. I was just going to make a stupid joke. Oh. <laughs> no, a stupid joke. I said like, I have to play a clip for us first and be like... Oh, <laughs> Never. The okay. forerunners have spoken, but... Yeah, well, I was just going to say, um, it's sort of the benefit of this movie taking so long to get made is that they could just keep going over that script over and over and over again. Yes. And I think it's the reason why the sequels don't, don't work as yeah. well is because they were pressured to get them to come out. Um, and... You know, you end up making the movie based on like yeah, a second point. or third draft, maybe, um, instead of what this was, which was like, right, you know, probably right. a 12th draft by the time they actually started shooting it. Exactly. It was like, 
Yeah, it was like 14. Well, I think, I'm just always like amazed at how the Wachowskis, they're just so like well-read and you can really mm-hmm. tell in the movies just how much, you know, they're polishing and researching <laughs> and studying. Right. And you, but you got to boil all that down. You got to keep boiling it down. And this, this one got boiled down. Absolutely, all those yeah. crazy, you know, philosophical and religious and mythology ideas, all of it got boiled down and down and down until we get this just this yeah. really and he just ex- great exactly. movie. Yep. Yeah, and he explains like the prophecy thing in just one minute. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which is what we talked about in the last well, we one. We can tell where, remember the 96 script yeah. is not so refined. No. Right. And then we see in the in, they finally refined it so well mm-hmm. in the in the film. It was great. The 96 really... script that you guys go through reminds me of the sequels. Um Wait, you listen to oh. this podcast? Yeah, of course I do. <laughs> Yay! Scott's awesome. Scott's yeah, great. Man. You're a brave man. <laughs> it's only three episodes a week. It's fine. Okay. Yeah, that's dude. Thank that's you. the By way. way. Thank that's you for listening. We actually really appreciate it a lot. We do. We're we do so happy. Because we're such amateur hour, man. We're so glad to have you here. I'm just like, ah, oh, this man is like doing it so well. I need to think about what I say. I can't just be spurting out whatever comes to my mind. I mean, you yeah. could. Yeah, you could. So... Uh, as long as the Matrix exists, the human race will never be free. Does Morpheus know that if you destroy the Matrix, you kill most of the population? Well, here's my question. I always he wondered, doesn't care. what is Morpheus sadist. alluding to when it comes to freeing the human race? I always wonder, is he mean some kind of reconciliation between machine well, and man? Or is he meaning true, like being unplugged somehow i feel like machine and man living together is like cats and dogs living together mass hysteria (laughs) i don't think he needs that um, i think he wants to kill all the your second bill murray reference today oh really yeah because you referenced oh uh, that's right we're we're idiots okay cool uh (laughs) but yeah when i was a kid i always thought like when morpheus meant that uh that when the matrix is destroyed i honestly I always had this thought in my head that everyone will spontaneously wake up from their, from their, mm-hmm. from their tubes. I was saying it could be, and, and that's how the Matrix will be destroyed. It could be, mm-hmm. and and, and then all the machines will shut down, like in like humans. in like in Star Wars Episode One. <laughs> well, broken. that's why that's why they need the one because he's the only one capable of pulling everyone out of the Matrix and allowing them to survive. Right. Right. That's that's the whole reason why they're yeah. looking for him. They're not just like looking for him for funsies. Like that's the goal. I don't know. Funsies. If you look fun. at it, like they're like, okay, we can unplug every person like we're unplugging them now, and that would take years, and it's never going to work. They think like you know, right? The the you know the ex machina. He's Neo's the one. They don't know what he can do, but he'll probably figure out this pr- one problem we have that there's like thousands of people we can't unplug. But if he's the one, that the one probably will do it. We don't know how practically, but he's the one, you know. And spoilers, yeah. he does, but it's not very, uh, it's not very fulfilling. Mm-hmm. He kills everyone. <laughs> he doesn't kill everyone. <laughs> I don't know. No, I don't know he does. I don't even and remember. I think that's it. I don't think there's anything else in this minute. I think I we so. reached no. the end of it. Mm-mm. Yes, Morpheus is cool. Neo has really great reactions. Does like, Morpheus have his little emblem? He turns necklace or no? Yeah, he's holding his necklace holding again. It, yeah. I don't know what that's about because we never see it again. He has so many too. items because in the future we'll find out the greatest of his. Um, oh yes, we will. Uh, what what's it called? Assets? Is that what you sure, say? I guess accessories. The there greatest of his accessories, yeah. which uh, red pouch. Yeah. Well, the red pouch I think is in the background. Do you think or no? I don't know. It's Let like in one of the wide shots. I don't know. But I'm sure Morpheus has a whole chest full of. There's a pouch <laughs> full of on the. This Neo's pouch. 
Neo's pouch. He has a pouch? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, he's what? a little, little, little satchel. Not satchel. Is that a satchel? What is that? Let me see. Little, little bag. Little purse he takes to shopping <laughs> on the wall <laughs> next to the grimy mold. I'll have goop and more goop. <laughs> exactly. Okay. Really is, it, is it weird that I'm kind of into this like burlap sweater turtleneck combination that Neil's got going on right now? Like, I'm not, not at all. There's a awesome. reason that just it looks, looks so kind comfy. of comfortable. It looks so yeah. comfy. <laughs> it it yeah. looks like sort of like, you know, deluxe pajamas or something. You know what I mean? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> like, ooh, but yeah. uh, if you look at today's fashion, you can buy something like that in H&M, you know, like very sort of like yeah. worn down loose. and holy and big and loose. You, you can get that, yeah. man. Totally. Walk down yeah. the street. No one cares. I, I mean, it. I wouldn't recommend the little green spot he has there. Well, no, just there. like, you know, weather it a bit, <laughs> you know, and just be like, oh, yeah. You, you can just buy it weathered, man. You can buy oh, okay. like like old metal and rock T shirts in H and M. They're already weathered. Like like you know oh, like the right. sun People love that sun. Uh, <laughs> what's that? Dry. It's not dry. What is it? Oh, like mm, uh, sun the colors gone because of the sun. Yes, yeah. the colors gone. You can buy T shirts like what, that. Like you have that T shirt for, for like thirty years. Just buy it. Pop. Put it on. Sounds amazing. Put Metallica mm. on. Yes, of course. I think I'm going to. Yeah, that'd be uh that'd be a really uh cool kind of like low-key uh matrix cosplay yes like, that would be good like, i'm them in the real world like <laughs> you just no dude, one does that that's a perfect just cosplay. super comfortable clothes and then just put the bl- plug in the back of your head yep oh, done man. and done yeah Excellent. Brilliant. And with that, I think that we're done with this minute unless anyone else anyone else has anything to say no no, no? well then Thank you very much. This was The Matrix Minute. This was on Monday, wasn't it? It was Monday, yeah. Fantastic. Have a happy a Monday, Monday first day of the week. Awesome. And we can't uh, stop this without saying thank you, Scott, so much for joining us in this episode. It's been really wonderful. Yeah, thanks for having me. You're most yes. welcome. Yeah. And, and dear listeners. Yeah, dear listeners, if you, if you think we missed something, some trivia or something like that, or got something wrong. Uh, let us know on our Facebook page where where we post the Things. this uh, episode. Every time, every time we plop a new episode, it's just like there, and you can comment there. We would love to hear, you know, if we. If I know we, we love those. And of course, if you'd rather not comment on Facebook, you can email us at ask at the matrix one with the episode number as the subject, and you can write it if we got something wrong. You can write to your trivia or. We miss something. Yeah, tell us that Let we're us wrong and we've missed <laughs> yeah, something. Yeah, say you're wrong. You're wrong, Leonidas. And thank you so much for listening. And thanks again, Scott. We'll catch you. Wait, wait hey, hey, what? Scott. Oh, wait, we we told. I already like Scott. You can talk about where we can. Oh yes, can I'm an idiot. Oh, yes. you. Goodness. Well, we forgot. Yeah, Scott, tell us. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, you just find me at, at Dueling. I mean, you plugged a bunch of my shows at the beginning. So I know. You, you find me at DuelingGenre.com, and you can find me on on Twitter and and whatnot, social media, at Scott Corelli. That's all. Woo. Awesome. That's perfect. And thank you for listening. Thank you, Scott. We'll catch you on Wednesday. Bye. Bye.